This is Shane Ray, of course, the host of Central Indiana Today on WYRZ. we got a great show for you this week. Why? Because we're going to be talking with um, someone from the Classical Mystery Tour, which uh, is also the whole show is coming to Carmel. And then later we're going to be talking with Hendricks County's own Deanna Hinesley. Uh, we're talking with her about an event that's already passed, but we thought you might want to know some details about how the show is put together. Uh, you might know it better as Dancing with the Hendricks County Stars. And then we're going to wrap things up with Brooke Williams. Brooke is with the American Dairy Association of Indiana. We talked with her earlier this month as the state fair was going on, and she had some interesting things to say about that. So in case you missed it, this will be great for you. So don't go anywhere. Keep it right here on WYRZ Central Indiana Today with me, Shane Ray. Central Indiana Today, Shane Ray talks with the newsmakers in and around Hendricks County. And now your host, Shane Ray. Well, I've been talking about it, and he is here on the phone with me. His name is Jim Owen, but you might know him a little bit better if you've seen him before as John Lennon. Well, sort of, but we'll get into that in just a little bit. First off, how is Jim? Doing fine, thanks. Good, glad to hear it. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, why we are even talking with you. We've been talking, uh, actually, letting everyone uh, of the listeners know for the last month um, about the Classical Mystery Tour. We talked with uh, the folks from the Carmel Symphony Orchestra uh, earlier this month, and now we have the guy. How, how do I phrase this? Do I say you are um, just playing the part of John Lennon? That's perfect. It's hard to really know how to put that, but yeah, playing the part of John Lennon sounds great. Thanks. Yeah, you know, I've I've talked with um, people who've played the part of Elvis, the people who've played the part of Buddy Holly before, uh, and it fits real well with the type of music that we play here on WYRZ. But uh, it's it's always a touchy subject because the word impersonator is is taboo, and I can certainly understand that, especially when there's so much uh, sincerity involved with uh, the shows and is that uh, something that uh, you have felt as well i do and i think another good word for it is respect and uh, that's certainly something all of us in the group bring to our show is the highest respect for the the beatles and their music yeah well let's talk a little bit about that now how long have you been doing uh the classical mystery tour well you wouldn't believe it but we're coming up on 25 years of doing this show Wow, 25 years. Now, how did you decide that, uh, you know what, I, I think I can, and can do John? <laughs> <laughs> it's a really long story, of course, so I'll keep it short. But um, <laughs> there was a Broadway show that came out in the late 70s called Beatlemania. And when I was younger, I saw that show when it came to Los Angeles area, and I thought, hey, that's exactly what I've been wanting to do since I was six or seven years old when I first heard the Beatles. I thought I would love to play their music because I was studying classical piano and I was playing other composers. So as a young child, I thought, sure, I could play Beatles music too. And so I got into doing some of the Beatlemania shows and other Beatles tribute projects. 
And one of the most unsatisfying parts about it was trying to do songs like I Am the Walrus or The Long and Winding Road, anything like that. It just wasn't fun without the orchestra. So finally I thought, well, I'll be the one to organize a show where we play backed by an orchestra and we can do all of those songs exactly like they were recorded. I tried to get permission to use the original studio charts and um, they said no, they either didn't have them or something saving them for their own use. But of course it's allowed to recreate those by ear. So uh, I met a professor here at a local university who was a huge Beatles fan, conductor, composer, arranger, and he couldn't wait to get started helping me on it. Now let's go back even further. Uh, Did you grow up listening to uh, to the Beatles and really liking what they did, or was it that um, you just saw the, the the performance that you're talking about and said, "Well, I could do that," or "I think I can do that." That'll be a nice way to make a living. But uh, <laughs> I missed the Beatles firsthand because I was born in 1966. Uh, so my discovery of the Beatles came in the early 70s. Growing up in my house, we didn't have any rock or pop music playing. My dad always played classical music, and we had a piano. And that's why I was really into classical music, piano, orchestra, things like that. And then uh, my aunt came to stay with us to help take care of the kids. I was about six years old, and she put on some Everly Brothers and some Chubby Checker. I thought, hey, that's pretty interesting stuff. But then she put on Meet the Beatles, Hmm. and I couldn't believe what I heard. I thought, this is really incredible music. And I just wanted to hear more and more Beatles music, six years old, seven years old, and any Beatles album I could get as a present. And that's when, uh, as I said earlier, I really fell in love with it and wanted to play their music exactly the way they did, not to rearrange it. Now, have you had a chance to uh, see any of of the Beatles, uh, of course, as solo performers? Have you ever had a chance to see them live? Yeah, sure. I've seen Paul McCartney a few times, Ringo Starr a few times, and the concerts are always so exciting. I, I, I'm trying to figure out exactly how any of them feel about these tribute shows. Have you gotten any feedback or anything like that? I understand John actually went to see the show you were talking about earlier, Beatlemania. Uh, I heard different versions of what he thought, but uh, have you heard anything else? I haven't heard anything from any of the Beatles specifically, but in the first couple years that we did this show, Classical Mystery Tour, we met Neil Diamond backstage. He was really gracious to come back and tell us we did an A-plus performance. I'll never forget that. And Tony Kishman, who plays Paul McCartney on our group, asked him, what do you think of musicians and singers who go up and you know, do their interpretation of you or, or impersonate you, or you know, as we were talking earlier? And Neil Diamond said, you know, if they're good, I don't mind, as long as they're good. That's basically, I don't remember his exact words, but, and I think that's true. If, if you're, if you're uh, doing it with respect and you can actually pull it off, then, you know, it's actually fun to watch something like that. Yeah, it is. And like you said, um, the Beatles pretty much cut out touring right as uh, the music that they were recording was becoming more orchestrated. I mean, they had done uh, Yesterday, and, you know, Paul would come out and do that with a guitar, and, 
sometimes or some of them you know the others would just lightly play in the background but none of the songs that uh that had the the lush orchestration got to be played live so that's got to give you some satisfaction it is and that's something we actually say is at, you know at the end of the show is you know, oh, this is something the beatles themselves never got a chance to do because they played all those songs with orchestrations in the studio and never really went on tour with an orchestra or you know toured at all like you said and we didn't really know what some of the orchestra members that we played with would think of playing with a group like us and it was really fun to hear comments from orchestra musicians that said that uh, you guys are so good at what you do we feel like we're in the sessions at abbey road studio doing the beatles recordings and it's really great to hear yeah, that is a great compliment for you guys. Now, when you go from uh, from place to place doing these shows, how much a rehearsal time do you actually get? Is it ever enough? Does it feel like, oh, so, you know, when you go out there, oh man, this we didn't have enough time. This is not going to go off well. Or do you uh, are you given plenty of time to rehearse? There's always enough time to rehearse. And the only thing that could ever come up that would be less satisfying would be if something happens technically, if there's a problem with uh, anything in the sound system. And luckily, that's extremely rare. So there's always enough time to rehearse. We get two and a half hours with the orchestra. Most often, it's on the day of the show. And uh, that's really, that's plenty of time. The, the charts themselves are not very difficult. There's only a couple of exceptions of something that's really virtuoso playing, which is the Penny Lane piccolo trumpet solo mm-hmm. or the Lady Madonna sax solo. And um, other than that, it's, it's not very difficult for professional orchestras to play. Now, when, you, when you're doing uh, each... Because all, all four Beatles had hits as solo artists. Do you get to do any of the solo stuff? I know that we're going to do in Carmel at the Coxall Gardens show, I know we're doing John Lennon's Imagine. I don't think we're doing any others, even though we do have some charts. And I think sometimes we save those if we come back to the same place again in a couple of years and they'd ask us to do some different things. And I know we've got a couple of other ones. Now, how do you feel about, I mean, do you ever feel like, man, I would like to do a whole show of John Solo stuff. Does that ever creep into your head? Uh, maybe not that specifically, because I like playing with the group, you know, and I like to have all four Beatles represented. But we have talked about doing more solo music, you know, a little, a little segment each of John, Paul, George, and Ringo's songs post-Beatles, because there are some great ones with orchestral backing. You know, it's funny you say that, but I believe that's how the four Beatles actually felt, uh, for the most part. Maybe not so much George, but uh, I think, you know... Uh, John's girlfriend May Pang was her name for a while uh, said John really missed playing with the guys and uh, same thing with uh, Paul he has come out and said yeah I miss playing with them but uh, uh, it's uh, just you build that camaraderie or um, that rapport with your fellow Beatles if you will in this case uh, that you kind of know what with the look or something like that, you know what they're going to do, or if maybe something's not going right, you can look at the other and it gets fixed quickly. Yeah, and it's more fun, and the audience can see we're having more fun, and so it's just all part of, of just the magic of doing Beatles music. Like I told you, we've been playing it 25 years, and I can't say that I'm tired of it at all. It just seems to stay fresh and exciting, 
year after year, and if anything, it just gets more fun. Yeah. Now, how many shows do you do a year, usually? Usually do about 20 or 30 different um, stops. And if we play with an orchestra, it's usually for one night, sometimes two, three, or four shows on a weekend. So I would say 20 or 30 orchestras per year is the typical. Now, do you go um, outside of the U.S.? Yeah, we have. Um, I think it was not... Yeah, actually, it was last year. Uh, January of last year was our last international stop. We went to Germany, and we've been to a few others as well. And the highlight, of course, was the time we went to Australia and played three shows at the Sydney Opera House. And um, what a life experience that was to get to do that. Yeah, that's... Not to criticize any of your other stops, but I'd say that's the big time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Have you been to Carmel before? No, um, and that's another thing I like about being, you know, having done this for so many years, is it's always great to go someplace we've never been and play with an orchestra which we've never played with before and, you know, maybe even meet a new conductor. And there's so many things to keep it fun and exciting. So, yeah, first time to Carmel with the Carmel Symphony. All right, now, uh, this is a presentation of Carmel Symphony Orchestra at Hamilton County Parks and Recreation. By the way, I talked with um, the uh, artistic director, Jenna Himes, earlier this month, as I mentioned. She said this is the first time that they have worked at uh, Cox Hall Gardens, and uh, it's really not only uh, big for you guys to come here, but uh, it's big for the for the orchestra. They're they're getting to do something a little new for themselves. So hopefully you won't have any of those uh, technical problems you were talking about. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, Jenna, I think she has a good grip on things. She's uh, as we've talked with her a couple of times now this year, and she really knows what's going on. So I think you'll be in good hands. Great. Yeah, good to hear. All right, let's remind everyone, Sunday, September 5th, it's at 7 p.m., Coxhaw Gardens. This is the Carmel Symphony, and uh, let's see here. We, If you want uh, details on the show and tickets, uh, you can go to carmelsymphony.org. You can also call 317-844-9717 for some more details on all of that stuff. And, of course, we're going to be telling you more or reminding you about it even closer to the show. And now let's just uh, ask Jim. Now, if folks want more information about you, about the Classical Mystery Tour, is there a website or some social media they can go to? Yeah, we do have a website. It's classicalmysterytour.com, and our concert dates page is there, and they have links to not only the ticket information, but also information about the venue as well. All right, sounds good. Jim Owen, he plays the part of John Lennon at the in the Classical Mystery Tour, as I said, coming to... Uh, Cocktail Guard, September 5th. Jim, thanks for being our guest today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. We'll be back right after this. Finding out what your town council, school board, or county commissioners are up to can be accomplished with the Republican newspaper in Danville. Started in 1847, they've been providing local news, sports, features, and more. Subscribing to the paper is possible by calling 317-745-2777, and they can be followed on Facebook by searching for The Republican. 
Time for our nonprofit spotlight, sponsored by the Republican newspaper. And this week, it's going to be the Hendricks County Museum. And Deanna Hinesley came in and talked with us about the Dancing with Hendricks County Stars event, which is already passed right now, but I thought you might like to hear a little bit about how the organization came to be with the uh, fundraiser that is so popular in Hendricks County. Well, as I've been telling you, here she is in the studio with me, Miss Deanna Hinesley. Uh, she's our good friend. We actually have a relationship that goes back pretty far. We do, maybe you, 10 years or more. Oh, yeah, at least. And uh, the reason for that is uh, you used to be in marketing at uh, the uh, Hearth of Prestwick. Right, which is now called Independence Village. Right. And, of course, uh, you've been a, a guest uh, on the station before. Uh, for uh, At least, if not you, some of the folks from Hendricks County Dan- are dancing with the Hendricks County Stars. And that's why you're here today right. to talk a little bit about that. Now, uh, let's go into the history. How long has this been going on? This will be our sixth event in seven years. We did our first event in 2015. And, of course, last year we weren't able to have it. Right. So it's 2015, so that's actually uh, as old as this. Is that what you said, 2015? Yes. Okay. Uh In October of 2015 is when we went on the air with the FM. Uh, So uh, it's kind of an anniversary for both of us. It is. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Now, let's explain to everyone what Dancing with the Hendricks County Stars is. I've been on the board of the Hendricks County Museum for about 12 years now, and my main function is fundraising and publicity. And um, after we had done dinner auctions for about three years as fundraisers, Mm -hmm. we decided to do Dancing with the Hendricks County Stars, which seemed like a humongous (laughs) event at the time. Um, We started with like five committee members, and now we're up to 22. No. And that first year, I didn't know how many people or who to ask to dance. So I got some of my friends, and I danced, which was fun. <laughs> <laughs> but now um, it's built it's built up to quite a large event. It has. And uh, just to back up a little, I have uh, been an MC of one of the events a couple yes. of years ago, I believe it was. In fact, um, I believe right now... The picture on my Facebook profile is of me in the tuxedo that I wore that night. Ah. So uh, I get so many compliments on that, and I, I tell them that's just my normal evening wear. But uh, <laughs> now I've let the cat out of the bag. But <laughs> well, we're glad to have been a part of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, uh, uh, and you, you've touched on something there. When you're in a nonprofit, which this radio station is, and you've done, you've been part of nonprofits for a long time. Uh, and it gets into fundraisers. The trick is find something different. Uh, we were the same way. We did the golf outings and we did um, the uh, the dinners, and then we started doing the bull riding and uh, oh, yes, anything that's uh, different for fundraising. And uh, now, whose brainchild was this? Do you know? Yes, I do know because it was Gail Tharp's idea. She's on our board, and when she said we should do this, I just slapped my head and said, oh, no, we can't do that. (laughs) But honestly, we learned it from Putnam County. Mm. They've done it for a few years more than we have, and they 
actually wrote the book and copied it and gave it to me. So they were very generous. <laughs> that was nice. Now, uh, the the premise is you're getting uh, folks that are primarily known in the county, maybe on the edges of the county, so to speak. And uh, uh, how what how how hard is it to find someone who who wants to do this uh, do the dancing? It's gotten easier as the years have gone by. Mm-hmm. Um, and I used to have to kind of talk people into do the, doing this. But now, when I ask people, they're usually excited about it. But it's also because I've kind of learned who to ask mm-hmm. and uh, what their interests might be. And so our whole community, I'm sorry, our whole committee um, helps helps with this. And um, so the people that we find are well-known, at least in the area where they live. And they're enthusiastic about preserving the history of the county they lived in. Yeah, uh, and it is. Let's uh, let's briefly explain what the Hendricks County uh, Museum is. Thank you for asking. Mm-hmm. It's in Danville, and it's one block south of Courthouse Square in the building that served as the residence for the Hendricks County Sheriff and his family from 1866 to 1974. And all those years, the Hendricks County Jail was in the basement of that beautiful home. Mm. Um, when it ceased because when it ceased being used as the residence and jail in 1974 um then it was it became a museum of sorts with a few county offices still in the annex but the museum has functioned since that time under various leaderships yeah and folks can go there they can see it right to get a tour Yes, on Friday and Saturday from 11 to 3, the museum is open. And the hours are limited because we are run primarily by uh, volunteers. But there's no admission charge, but we certainly accept donations. But it's just such a fun place to visit because the house the house itself is set up as if the sheriff and his family still lived there in the late 1800s. Hmm. Okay. Now, um it's very important for the folks in this area, in the county, I should say more specifically, to know your history. And this is a great place to uh, learn about some of uh, Hendricks County's past, right? That's true. I've lived in Hendricks County all my life. And since I've been involved with the museum, I've learned more about how we came to be and all the stories of how the governments and the towns were formed and the people who were a part of all that. Yeah. Let's talk uh, more about uh, the fundraiser now. This is Dancing with the Hendricks County Stars, and uh, it's going to be, let's uh, tell everyone when it's going to be and where it's going to be. It'll be August 21st, which is a Saturday, in the Expo Hall at the Hendricks County uh, Fairgrounds. So that evening we will have... um, We'll have the dance competition, a wonderful dinner prepared by the coachman of Plainfield, Mm -hmm. a great silent auction with lots of fun and unusual, different appealing items. There'll be a wine pole, Mm. and um, it's just a fun evening. Uh, If you're looking for something that's just a full, fun evening, it's often been called the most fun fundraiser in the county, and not by us, but by other people who have attended. Always good to hear that. Uh, who have you got dancing this year? Glad you asked. 
um, as we said, it's from it's people from throughout the county and um, representing different businesses through the county. Ariel Brown is a physician's assistant at IU Health West, and um, so she'll be doing a performance. Betty Faulkner is from here in Brownsburg, and he is on the Brownsburg School Corporation's uh, um, staff, mm-hmm. and he's a facilities manager. Madison Henderson has recently joined um, the staff at the town of Danville, and she is a community outreach person and very excited about what she's doing. Mm-hmm. Steve Height is from Hendricks Power Cooperative in Danville, mm-hmm. and um, Hendricks Power has been a wonderful friend to the museum in lots of ways, and we're glad to have Steve with us. Yeah, and a great friend to the radio station, too. Great oh, yes. for this community. Yes. Melanie Nichols um, is a fitness instructor, and she does most of her work at the Plainfield Recreation Center. Suzanne Schaefer is a uh, flight attendant for Republic Airlines. She and her husband own Schaefer's Collision. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Tencher owns Chick-fil-A in Avon mm-hmm. and brings a lot of flavor to the program. I just threw that in. <laughs> yeah. No pun intended, right? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and then finally, John Unison is a physician with Hendricks Regional Health, and he also has an office here at the Hendricks Regional Health Health Office in Brownsburg. Well, wow, you've really got a, 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 a whole chorus line there, so to speak. <laughs> we do. <laughs> <laughs> of Hendricks County stars now. Uh, and also, by the way, congratulations. Um, the Republican newspaper, which comes out every Thursday, had uh, an article written by you. All, all this information and more on the August 5th issue. So um, if you didn't get to see it or if uh, maybe you haven't got to it yet, check it out. It's on the front page. And... Um, I think you could probably even give the Republican a call and say, hey, do you have that Thursday, August 5th issue available? I'd like to buy it and maybe get Deanna Hinesley's autograph on it. I mean, you'll be glad <laughs> to do that. I would be glad to do that. <laughs> okay. Lots of information there. So uh, you can check out uh, that. But there's also a Facebook page, right? Yes. And that's pretty active because regularly our committee is putting on Facebook information about the dancers. And if you want to support your favorite dancer, that's a great way to do it. There's an opportunity to do that when you buy your ticket online. But if you just want to come to the event, you can just select No Dancer and come to the event and enjoy. Okay. Uh, let's once again remind everyone what the website is for the museum. www.hendrickscountymuseum.org. All right. And, of course, if you missed any information or you have a question for Deanna and you don't know how to get in touch with her, get in touch with us here at the radio station, 317-852-1610. If I don't know the answer, I'll get you in touch with Deanna. She's going to help you out ASAP, right? I would love to. All right, Deanna. Thanks for being our guest today. Thank you for having me. Our next guest is an interview we did with Brooke Williams. Of course, this was done during the state fair time, and Brooke is with the American Dairy Association of Indiana. And these are uh, kind of a condensed version of the interview where she talks a little bit about what they did, uh, what they do to prepare for the uh, Indiana State Fair. As promised, here she is, Brooke Williams. She is, did I say that right, Brooke Williams? Uh, she is uh, communications director, director of communications. Uh, she is communications person. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the American Dairy Association of Indiana. Our good friends, uh, 
man, it's been, well, we, we, we were discussing off mic over a year since yeah. I've seen you, almost two years probably yeah. since I've seen you in person. I think we may have talked on the phone mm-hmm. around holiday time. I'm not sure, but uh, because sometimes I talk to you, sometimes I talk to Jenny Browning, who was, uh, it, it's not Jenny Browning anymore, is it? It is Jenny Browning. What did, oh, it used to be Purcell. That's right. That's what it was. That's okay. Right. So, uh, but anyway, we talked to her for a long time and then Brooke came in and it's been great uh, all, for the last few years. How long have you been in that position? I, it will be eight years, I believe next week. Wow. Eight years. Mm-hmm. That's uh that's quite a commitment. Yeah. It must be something you like doing. It is. Someone Imagine just asked that. me today if they think I'll work there forever. And I said, well, I guess I don't know why not. But yeah, it's been Good every answer because your boss is listening, <laughs> That's right? right? That's right. Every day is different. And uh, it's a very great organization to work for and a great group of, of people and the dairy farmers to work for in Indiana. You know, uh, and I had discussed this with uh, Jenny in the past as well, but uh what what is it that you like most about uh, what you do? Is it, I mean, because you I know you get to meet the farmers. I know you get to uh, pet the cows. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you also get to sample all the food. Yeah. I mean, what, is there something that you look forward to most every day? Yeah, I think so. For me, I didn't come from a farming background. Um, So my dad was a research scientist, and I had no idea that I would work for an organization where our bosses are essentially the dairy farm families here in the state of Indiana. And so I think for me, anytime I can get out onto a farm, it's just a really cool experience. You meet the families, see how close they are. Um, You do get to feed the calves every Mm -hmm. once in a while, which is always a really special experience. Um, But yeah, I do think anytime I can get out there and go to a farm, Every farm is so different. They have their unique story. Um, it's just a really, really neat experience. Well, one thing I know you got to love is state fair time. Uh, on top of pulling your hair out with worries <laughs> and everything else, you do have a chance to have fun and gain a, a few extra pounds. Let's explain why that is, because uh, it's the, uh, you guys have the dairy bar out there. Yes, something that I feel like a lot of families have probably heard about. If anyone has ever been to the Indiana State Fair, the dairy bar is, I would say, iconic out there. We've been open in some capacity since 1941, where the the barn-shaped building across from the Coliseum and uh, serves some of the most popular items at the fairgrounds, grilled cheese sandwiches, milkshakes, yeah. all the good stuff. That, yeah, understatement. <laughs> understatement. Uh, you know, for you folks at home, you just missed it because she brought us some samples here at the radio station. Uh, and as usual, I had to uh, stop Brian Scott from having four of the milkshakes, but uh, uh, he usually cops moon pies out of my drawer and RC Cola. But... Uh, he loves uh, he loves it when we bring uh, the 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 sandwiches and um, the milkshakes and all that stuff. Now let's talk about some of the things that are special about this year. What are some of the new things we're going to see? Yeah, this is our uh, most expansive menu, I would say. So we actually have four signature items. Uh, the most popular being the buttermilk waffle, which which is two buttermilk waffles with American and cheddar cheese. Uh, we have the frozen mocha coffee drink, the chocolate salted caramel milkshake, and then our hand dip signature ice cream this year is the cherry chocolate funk. Cherry chocolate funk. Wasn't that, that a dance in the 60s? <laughs> it sounds like it should be. If it wasn't, yeah. The James Brown song or something, wasn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, now, uh, 
I've got three questions in my head. Yeah. I hope I don't forget them. One is for the folks at home. I did. That's what I tried. Right? Was the buttermilk? Uh, yes, the buttermilk waffle witch. And now, what uh, you didn't mention is there's also a little extra that comes with that that really sets it off. Which there is, is. yeah, we serve it with a side of uh, red pepper relish, and it is good. It is very good. It is very good. Really makes it. Mm-hmm. Um, boy, now what were the other questions? <laughs> Oh, the cherry, what's the, the cherry? The cherry ch- chocolate funk. funk. Uh-huh. Now, where, how does something like that come about? So Prairie Farms helps us out with, the, with most of the ice cream offerings at the dairy bar. And so this was an item that they have. It's actually a, a small batch produced ice cream that they, that they carry in stores. Um, and so they brought it to us. We sampled it. We said, yes, we need to serve that. Um, so it's cherry flavored ice cream with chunks of cherries and chunks of dark chocolate. And I will say, I've tried it the other day. It is delicious. And I'm not typically a cherry person, especially with ice cream. It wouldn't be my thing, but I could definitely have a couple scoops of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Which I do like, the cherry chocolate Mm -hmm. type uh, variety of... Well, there's not a lot that I don't like as far as uh, flavors of ice cream, but I believe, yeah, I I could Mm -hmm. get quite addicted to that as well. Mm -hmm. And all of this, of course, made with Indiana... Indiana dairy, right? Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of people don't know that there are over 750 dairy farms in the state of Indiana and milk that you buy from the store is actually delivered from a local dairy farm within 48 hours. Oh, 48 hours. That's Mm -hmm. pretty quick. Yeah. Now, if folks, when they go there or when they go to a grocery store or whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, what do they need to look for to make sure that they're getting genuine uh, di- first off, genuine dairy, and uh, second of all, Indiana dairy, if possible. Yeah, we've made it very easy. I think um, there's actually at the if you buy a gallon of milk, there's actually a code at the top. It's a six digit code, and there is a website that you can find out exactly where your milk came from. And I believe the website is whereismymilkfrom.com. Um, but I would say if you're shopping at a local Kroger or even a, a local Walmart, those are all going to it's all going to be local milk, which is what is so great. So a lot of people think because Walmart is a national company, the milk may not be, but it is. We have farms here that ship directly to Walmart for bottling. Same with, uh, with Kroger, same with, um, even like a Rickers, you know, uh, convenience store. So I would say chances are, if you are buying milk in the state of Indiana, it is going to be a local milk. Okay. Mm -hmm. As Brian Scott would say, and now, you know, (laughs) and that was one thing I didn't know. I didn't know how that worked. Mm -hmm. Uh, as far as uh, at the fair, uh, now we found out how um, how, how the uh, the ice cream came along. What about the uh, signature uh, sandwiches? How do you find those? We so um, Michelle in our office who actually runs the dairy bar. She is a chef by trade, and so she is the one responsible for coming up with a menu. And almost, I would say, about February of every year, she can, she just starts brainstorming these sandwiches and. Typically, when we are in the office, everyone together, she would make several different types, and we would try them, we would rank them, and that's how we decide. So there are nine of us that work in the office, and 
unfortunately, we we just have to be the ones to try all of the grilled cheese sandwiches. <laughs> and she says, as a tear goes down <laughs> yeah, her eye, right. oh, they make me eat this. <gasps> <gasps> yeah, so um, Michelle always wanted to do a waffle grilled cheese, and so we just didn't know what type of cheese would you put inside of a grilled of a waffle, and so that's how we came up with the buttermilk waffle wedge. And of course, after it, it's in front of you like that, it makes perfect sense. It's no. like, why didn't I think of this before? <laughs> that's right. Where have you been all my life? Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, now, when you, where is the dairy bar? When you go in, you, mm-hmm. let's just say the front gate, mm-hmm. where do they go as far as in the state fair? So Main Street is probably going to be the most popular place of, of the state fair. It's right by Farmer's Coliseum. If you're interested in the cows and the pigs, it's going to be right there by the swine barn. Um, but we are the, the barn-shaped building. We have cow print awning right next to the administration building or the grandstands. Um, so a very populated place. And usually Artemis. little picnic tables out there where That's you can right. yeah. order and multiple windows, as I recall. Yep, 10 windows open just for you. Oh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's, uh, let's remind everyone, what can they do as far as staying on top of what's going on, what's new, not only during state fair time, uh, but also throughout the year. Yeah, winnersdrinkmilk.com is going to be the resource for all the information right now for the dairy bar menu is on there, so you can see what you want to order ahead of time. But yeah, we have recipes, event information, um, talk about the tradition of milk at the 500, so there's always new information being updated there. Yeah, and of course, I'm sure we'll be hearing again, uh, hearing from you again around holiday time. As yeah. always, make sure you use the real thing, Indiana <laughs> Dairy, when you're making those holiday dishes, so... Mm-hmm. All right, Brooke. Uh, I don't know what else to say. I, I'm trying to paint a picture of some of this food for the folks at home. And, um, and of course, you always can get just uh, the familiar uh, grilled cheese sandwiches there, right? Yep. Yeah. So if you don't want a buttermilk waffle sandwich, our most popular still will be the American on white. Um, but if you want me to rattle through them real quick, we have well, absolutely. Colby on wheat, butter, <laughs> butter, pepper jack on sourdough. We have Munster cheese on cinnamon raisin uh, and then Swiss cheese on rye. Munster cheese on cinnamon raisin. That's mm-hmm. my next one to try. Mm-hmm. All right. And uh, by the way, we're taking some pictures of uh, me eating these and, uh, and some of the other food. And we will definitely have those on our Facebook page. And... If you want more information about not only the uh, what this what the, the American Dairy Association of Indiana is doing at the fair, but also just in general, uh, you can get in touch with Brooke. How would they do that? Um, again, go to winnersdrinkmilk.com and click on the media tab, and you'll find my information. All right, and of course, if you missed any of this information <laughs> and you're trying to jot it down, you can get in touch with me here at the radio station three one seven eight five two sixteen ten. If I don't know the answer. Uh, I'll get you in touch with Brooke and she'll help you at ASAP, right? That's right. All right, Brooke, thanks for being our guest today. Thanks so much. You've been listening to Central Indiana Today with your host, Shane Ray. 